while your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Marcus, joining me as guest host Jess Machado. Hi. 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 So you sent me something <laughs> via text. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that is interesting. Mm-hmm. I think that's the right move. I was thinking <clears throat> like that's what should happen. Really? Well, maybe not that particular thing, but yeah. something like that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that's, cause that's the way you, that's the way you, that's mm-hmm. the way you move up. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. That is very interesting. I could maybe pull a string or two so you could announce it. It could, you could be breaking news again. That'd be great. You've done a lot of that. That's what I do. I was talking to Marcus before we started and I said that I feel like since he's moved over from his Saturday time slot to this, that. WBSM has like literally like an active reporter that is out there covering stories. He's constantly out there getting tea and you're very good at it. And I feel <laughs> like you. we're very lucky to have it. Thanks. Honestly. I appreciate that. It's, um, you know, if I have the flexibility, uh, to, to get somewhere I do so I can get a, so I can get a good story. Mm. Um, and, uh, it's almost like you don't have to worry everybody like if it's if it's worth you needing to know, Marcus will be there and he will get the story. <laughs> it's like I don't know. It's like okay. a security system. It's like a safety net. Like you don't have to do it. You have to go to Politico playbook and get Lisa's stuff every morning, and you just check Marcus's That's stuff, good. and you've got everything you need. That's good. I appreciate that. That's good. Because <laughs> then I get some some people messaging me. Well, well you don't talk about this. Ugh. It's because you're a hypocrite, right? And I'm like, no, it's because I. Don't- like, I don't know. Like, well, ask them what they talk about on their show. Well, some one of the things that's one of the things I I don't like that sort of argument that's put forward. Like, why don't you ever talk about? Why doesn't this person ever talk about the thing I'm thinking about all the time? Mm. You know, it doesn't make any sense. Well, it's like because that's what you're thinking about. It's not what I'm thinking about, right? Well, why don't you talk about this? Why don't you talk about that? Then I'm like, I don't know. I didn't think about it. You thought about it. Like we're we're not the same person. I don't I don't I can't think the way you think. I had a caller call in last Saturday and said, I love your show. I love listening to you, but I'm like tired of listening to the mass GOP thing. Okay, and I was like, okay, I get it, but like it's important and it's what I want to talk about. And sure. You can talk about what you want on your show. What are you going to talk about now? Still, still, mass politics. It's very important. I well, mass politics. That's what I'm. I mean, that's what I'm. It's what we're talking about now. But are are you going to still talk about the mass GOP? 
Yes, there's going to be a lot of changes. There's going to be a lot of growth. There's going to be still going to be drama. Like Lisa said, there's still people that are holding out for for him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I think I I don't know if I can officially announce it, but like I'm going to be doing like a, a, a weekly spot on Grace's show and it's going to be about, always breaking news. <laughs> maybe, always breaking maybe news don't, here. Maybe don't tweet that out yet because it's, it's not officially out there. But I think there is a need. <laughs> for, I think there's a need for people to hear about mass politics in a general, sure. you know, like the same thing you're doing. Go out and get the 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 meat of everything and bring it to the table and let people hear it. And I think this past election cycle, especially for Republicans, when we lost every single solitary race and we also lost the corner office, like, my gosh, like people don't understand that connection between state committee and, and who's running for governor. Like y- you need to know that that's we're smarter for it. We need we need more information. So, yeah, I'll still talk. But I mean, between now and then I'm talking about the Super Bowl, obviously. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, my team's in the Super Bowl and my husband's team's in the Super Bowl. I don't know why we're not national news right now, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, you should probably have like one of those segments, <laughs> those those like awful sports We're going segments. to the Today Show, everybody. We're you know, talk. like one of those, this is beyond sports, this is family. <laughs> Divided the, the, households. <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh, let's go to the phones. 508-996-0500. Good evening, you're live. Good evening, Jess. Good evening, Marcus. Hey, Tom, how you doing? doing? Hi. Well, you got an issue coming up in this segment regarding the uh, uh, situation with the uh, voc- vocational. Vote. Yes. All right. Now, so, so let me. Can can I just set the table, Tom? Uh, I haven't had a chance to fully explain the sure. the yeah. So before, uh, uh, so just so people know, the Lawyers for Civil Rights, uh, a a legal advocacy organization, um, filed a federal. Uh, a federal civil rights lawsuit against the state of Massachusetts for their Voke Tech admissions policy. And that's something we've talked about here because New Bedford Voke and their admissions policy saying that they discriminate against students of protected classes, English language learners, students with disabilities, etc. So that's it. Yeah. So, so the, the, the piece I was going to try to put in there, is, and I'm not sure how legal it's going to be, but there is rules in the city council uh, regarding uh, pending uh, litigation where okay. the council isn't allowed uh, to vote uh, regarding that. I don't know how that's going to play out well, uh, at the present time because, uh, you know, it, it, there's this time element with it all uh, and with, with uh, uh, the lady that was nominated, her name's still in the mix. The city council can actually uh, refuse to act until litigation is over. I, I don't think that's applicable here because it's not an action against New Bedford or it's not an action against New Bedford Vogue. It's an action against the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. So if they were to invoke that, I think we'd be talking about, you know, something. It, it would be a, it would, I think it'd be kind of a sneaky tactic, honestly, on, on their behalf. Because <laughs> well, there's that piece on the previous <laughs> discussion you had regarding Republican Party. What, what, what I think should be a concern, and I'm a liberal, but I, I could like, like the lady sitting next to her, I can respect the lady. She she uh, has her position. I don't subscribe to her position much, but I respect the lady that, that goes forward like this and has been able to accomplish what she's been able to accomplish. And that's a good thing. And, you know, as a liberal, independent, I'd like to see 
a good conservative party in the state of Massachusetts. I don't. I don't. And I she even convinced me to vote for Amore. And I did. I <laughs> thought he was a great, great, great candidate. Now, but going forward, here's the problem I see. Cause you, you guys are going to have to have a lot of endurance. This thing isn't going to turn over in one or two or three or four or five years. You've got the civil libertarians going forward. That's another avenue that the Republican Party has to well, consider. Libertarians got ballot access now, don't they? That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, their, their discussion from promoting candidates is going to be similar to what the Republican candidates are going to be for. It's going to confuse people. And, and, and unfortunately, I think that was the biggest mistake in this whole uh, most recent election, allowing the civil libertarian to get uh, access to the ballot because they're going to, you know, pull together. They're going to try to promote a couple of candidates here and there. And the Republican Party has to deal with that. And then ultimately and finally, go Eagles. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on. I just need one more and then I'll let my husband come back next year. You're, although, listen, if I have to pick, I think that this is the year for him. We've got a, a stronger future. And I'm not sure Jalen Hurts is the future of the Eagles, to be honest with you. Oh. So and, if and he's going to get quarterbacks, so if if either one of them gets hurt, that, that, that's the problem. No, we got we got Chad Henney. Yeah, and, and he won that game still. for us. Chad Henney, I, I, and when he came in, I was like, I can't believe he's still in the league. We, um, the Eagles have Minshew. <laughs> I can't believe he, he was. <laughs> I remember Chad have? Henney playing for Michigan in like 2005. <laughs> the Eagles have Gardner Minshew. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. 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 So we yeah, got some backups. We're fine. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be closer to be truthful. So, you th- anyway, do you think it's going to be? Do you think it's going to be the Eagles are going to win? I know you're saying go Eagles, but do you think they're going to win? Three by three. Oh, for crying out yep. loud, Tom! All right. Yeah. Bye. Thanks, Tom. Well, uh, if they win by three, then they cover. I think they're it's two think, two and a half. Are they two and a half? Uh, well, I haven't looked today. I know they opened as one point one one and a half point favorites. Do you so. know the worst thing ever is that I have yet to place an official bet in Massachusetts. I've been waiting my whole life for sports betting to be legal in Massachusetts. And you would think I would have, but it was such a busy week with this vote and everything. Sure. (laughs) Marcus, I have a really good story about sports betting. I, back in the day, I'm old, right? I'm 40, I'm going to be 47. But when you wanted to bet on anything, you had to call your bookie. I had a bookie and um, it was a Preakness, I think, race for, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, whatever. And my bookie had been arrested. Oh, so I didn't have a bookie. So, and anybody around him was like really laying low. So yeah, of course. I went over to the Amvets near my house. <clears throat> my dad used to play cards there with all the veterans guys and all these business guys every Saturday morning. And I went there and I said, Hey, do you have a guy? Can you put in a bet for me? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So took a piece of paper, wrote trifecta on it, boxed, said 20 bucks, you know, whatever. He said, okay, I'll call it. And I said, all right. So we sat down, played cards, went home, watched the race hit it shows up on the screen right and i'm looking you know internet was there but i wasn't on the internet i was waiting show up on the screen calculated i would have won seventy two thousand dollars i'm losing my mind my house is going absolutely insane my grandmother was crying i was like oh my god i got in my car i drove down to the amvets and walked in half expecting everybody to go absolutely insane and everybody is just staring at me and I'm like looking around and I'm like, what? And I go over, I see my dad at the bar and I'm like, dad, like, oh my God. And he's like, yeah, honey, no. And I went, what? And he's like, I forgot to call in the bet. Oh my God. And he took out of his pocket the slip of paper. That's why everybody was looking at And you. didn't call in the bet. Oh my God. 
four vodka and uh, <laughs> tonics later and playing poker, never called in the bat. That story went around Fall River for like months and months and months. Any place I went to, somebody knew that story. $72,000, would have paid out. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And I told that story the other day on my Facebook in honor of the first day of official sports betting in Massachusetts. The days of having to <laughs> depend on somebody calling in your bet to a bookie are Good over, Lord. everybody. That is... <laughs> I don't even know how I'd react to that. Devastation. Yeah. Devastation. <laughs> and it just, and I mean, I don't know, but I'm, I surround, I love the old timers. I still see them at the casino because I place my bets in Tiverton now, mm-hmm. but a lot of these guys play like the crap table or poker or whatever. And I see all these old timers and stuff. I'm, I love that group of people. The sports betters, the guys that have been doing it for a long time that come from that time where you have to have a bookie. I just, I love those guys. When I see them, I have a coffee with them. I talked, I could talk to them for hours. Always great stories. You know, there's, everybody always has a story where they won big or lost big. I, I've won big, but that's my lost big story. It's bad. <laughs> it's bad. There's like no way to sugarcoat how bad that is. <laughs> it's terrible. That is one of the worst breaks I've ever heard in my life. My own father. Nonetheless, who, by the way, was a degenerate drunk gambler. <laughs> like that's, he was a fisherman. Um, he was an army veteran. He had one job. <laughs> <laughs> I, listen, fun fact. Oh, man. I could get into I didn't meet my dad until I was 18. Oh. Right. So him and my mom split up when I was three and I just never saw him. And when I was 18, I, I reached out and I met him. All of my vices, clearly DNA is very strong. I get them all from my father. He's passed away three years ago, but, um, you know, he was a Purple Heart veteran. You know, Mm -hmm. he just had to, he was drafted right from high school to Vietnam, just struggled a lot, but I, he was fantastic. He's great. I love all of the great things about him, but yeah, you had one job, dude. Like (laughs) you didn't pay child support for me for my whole life. This was payback. (laughs) Didn't call in the bat. He was so focused on his his card games and drinking vodka sodas. It's just astounding. I know. Yeah. But anyway, we don't you this next generation, you don't ever have to experience that. You can go to any casino and you can place your own bets at the sports book. <laughs> you don't have to you don't have to rely on dad for bet bets kits. You can go on your own. All right. Let's take a break. Welcome <laughs> back to the show. I'm I'm Marcus. I'm Jess. And uh, this is South Coast Tonight. (laughs) I can't get over how bad that that break was for you. It's okay. Um, It's all right. (laughs) Like ruined my weekend. That was a long time ago. It's going back, what, so 15, 16 years, I think. It's been a long time, yeah. I've like won a couple jackpots at the casino since then. So okay, yeah. I mean, not seventy thousand dollars worth. Yeah, but, you know. Well, you know. I like living on the edge. Gambling's fun. <laughs> <Living> <laughs> on the edge. So anyway. everybody has their vices, Marcus. <laughs> Mine's sports betting. I cards. I have to transition in into the Vogue story. Let's do it because I'm actually super interested in this. Okay. Yeah, because you're a mom. That's kind of like that's like your kind of like your thing. It's my thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Are you going to explain it for everybody and then I can tear it apart? Or what do you want? How do you want to do this? Explain your motherhood? (laughs) No. 
know. I don't know. It's like pretty straightforward, <laughs> isn't it? You have kids. There's nothing really straightforward <laughs> about it. Sired children. <laughs> and they exist. <laughs> um, so, uh, all right. So, okay. So here's what. Break here's, it down. All right. So here's what. Um, <laughs> here's the deal. So, uh, New Bedford vocational, vo- New Bedford Voc, uh, among other Voc, Voc schools, have come under scrutiny as of late by pretty much every mayor in the Commonwealth. And this effort was led by New Bedford Mayor um, John Mitchell um, over their admissions policy, which they say um, unduly discriminates against students of protected classes. Uh, students with um, special needs, students who are English language learners. The statistic that Mayor Mitchell often cites is that 30% of New Bedford public school students are English language language learners, while only 4% of vocational students um, are English language learners. Um, So uh, the one thing, what they were arguing for is basically a straight lottery, a blind lottery, if you get in, you get in. That's what the charter schools have. They have blind lotteries, too. If you get lucky enough, you get in. You get one of the 500, uh, I think, 560 seats that are available. So Mitchell has repeatedly said this is a civil rights lawsuit waiting to happen based on the based on the data. The data shows a pretty clear discrepancy in the students who are who are accepted and the students are not. That uh, New Bedford Vogue has been one of, I think, along with Diamond, one of six school uh, districts identified by Desi in the Commonwealth as being probably the most offensive in terms of the demographics of students they they um, they uh, admit and the demographics of their sending district, which is New Bedford, Dartmouth, and Fairhaven. I think Diamonds, maybe Westport, Fall River, Swansea, uh, Somerset. Somerset. So. Um, s- uh, so New Bedford Voke first tried the um, this uh, 500 students with their selected criteria. So grades, attendance, the selected criteria is grades, attendance record, and behavioral record. Um, and then they had the, the other 65 of the lottery. Uh, that ended up making things a little bit worse for ELL students. Uh, Superintendent Watson at Voke told me a little bit better for um, special education students. But Desi still said, no, this isn't going to work. you got to change it. So now they're trying a qualified lottery in which the first 285 seats, they still got to have um, a certain level of uh, grades, attendance, and behavioral record. Uh, and then the uh, in the front end and then the back end, you have the um, the selective criteria that they want to do. So that's the what they call a hybrid system. Mitchell's saying, you know, you're basically just doing the same thing that you were doing before. And now the lawyers from civil rights in Boston filed a lawsuit along with another legal organization whose name currently escapes me, but I'll get the name afterwards. They're doing it on behalf of four students and the... Um, of uh, this vocational uh, this vocational school reform uh, coalition, and um, that's currently where we're at. I tried to reach out to Vogue today uh, for further comment. They haven't said anything uh, about it, but that's kind of the state that we're in. So, what's your? I mean, I've made my thoughts pretty clear on this. I think this. I think I. I, I think the standard should change. I think it's pretty clear that Vogue schools are becoming de facto private schools that everybody else is paying for, and. Um, uh, it's not equitable for the students, for the, the broad uh, populations of students in the sending districts. But what do you think? I, I guess my first question is, why is the demographic that's looking for relief here not able to meet the threshold of these three criteria? 
Well, I think there's probably a lot of reasons. Mayor Mitchell had said, Mayor Mitchell had said there's plenty of reasons why a student um, at age 12, 13, 11, et cetera, may not be able to meet this criteria. They could be struggling with a, lear- uh, with a learning disability. They could be dealing with um, issues at home. He had t- said, you know, parents, sometimes there's students that uh, in middle school, especially in cities like New Bedford, where they actually do have to work a job. Um, they have absentee parents. Some have parents who have recently died. Um, so there's plenty of uh, economic and familial dynamics, especially in a city like New Bedford, one of the more poor cities in the area and in the state uh, where that could play a factor, where that could play a factor. And I, and I think furthermore, I think what we're saying is what you're saying, what you're saying when you do have these policies are especially attendance. You're saying like the mistakes that you make when you're 12 should foreclose you from, from an opportunity um, that uh, could benefit you for the rest of your life. And I, I don't see that as as fair. I'm not sure you were going to expect this. <clears throat> My son applied to Diamond coming from eighth grade. Uh, eighth grade was his COVID year. Um, okay. And he went from being an AB student to a DF student during uh-huh. COVID with remote learning. Yeah. Um, and because of that, my son was not able to get into Diamond. Yeah. See. So um, I'm not complaining about that. Um, he didn't meet the criteria. His okay. grades were not what they should have been in order to get in. But it wasn't his fault. Uh, it wasn't, but yeah. he's not there. He's, he's at Somerset Berkeley Regional High School. That's our school. That's yeah. where, you know, he is. Um, and he was unable to go to Diamond. Mm-hmm. And so I have a problem, right, with all of these other things that are being said. You know, this this affected my child. Yeah. Um, and he could not go. Now, could he have applied 10th grade? Sure, but he would have missed a year. I'm not really sure how that works. Um, but we made the commitment that he wanted to do four years at school diamond was his first choice Mm -hmm. he didn't get in he got the bottom of the barrel when it came to you know teachers these people were checked out they were not teaching him properly i think with the remote learning i was able to observe them all right Mm -hmm. and it was just subpar education at best um and it was because of that i advocated for my child to go back to school uh, sooner than the rest. So a group of parents that were experiencing a similar situation where they had kids that were doing well the year before where obviously the grades didn't match up um, and they were allowing children who had special education needs <clears throat> to be in person four days a week okay. while the rest of the school district had to still do remote learning. Sure. Um, and I ad- advocated and said, hey, we don't, we're don't. we not really special needs here, but he's clearly failing. Problem, yeah. So my son was able to go to four days before everybody else. So we fought, but it was clearly not enough to impact his grades. He missed out on going to a, a folk school. Yeah. Too bad, so sad. You get what you get. You don't get upset. That's it. And and I think this stuff here is making excuses. Everybody has factors that could factor in as to why they could not get into the school. My son didn't get in. Okay. So now we have a new plan. And, and, and that plan is, is going to be a little different than what he wanted. But we, we abided by the rules. The rules were you have to... And and he had absences, right, and things like. So we didn't. He didn't meet the criteria. Would he have had we not had COVID? I'm sure. Right, it wasn't his fault. So he's foreclosed from that opportunity now. Sure. And you think that's okay? We have to come up with a different plan. So now the question is: Does my son want to go to a four-year college? Does he want to go to BCC? Does he want to try to get into a union? Um, yeah. We've we've talked about what his options look like. Your son is lucky. He has active parents. A lot of kids in New Bedford vote. Uh, and uh, no, a lot of kids that may be applying for New Bedford folk, a lot of kids that are in New Bedford 
um, there's a lot of them that don't have active parents or don't have the supports around them to really do well. And so what they're basically saying is because of situations that are well beyond their control, we're going to say that they're not good enough for this school. And it's a public school. That's the, I think, I think that's the, I think that's something really important. It's a public school. And what they're doing is essentially privatizing it and making it like an elite preparatory school for students who do really well and for students of, uh, or and for kids of uh, parents who are politically connected to go there to avoid all of the, you know, to avoid, uh, you know, all of the uh, being around all of the, you know, quote unquote, less performing students in New Bedford, in New Bedford High School or in their sending districts mm -hmm. and go on to college. So it's not even actually the other. That's the other problem with it. It's not even actually fulfilling its original purpose because a lot of these trades um, aren't, you know, there's a there's a there's a slack market for um, for tradespeople. And we're not they're not even hiring any. Uh, uh, they're not even doing as many trades as they used to. So to that, I have another really great example. Um, and I'm going to message my friend and see if she wants to talk about it. I doubt that she would. She had a son that went to Diamond. Um, I would venture to say probably for a similar reason as what you just said um, was a very smart kid. Didn't uh, had a lot of issues at public school um, with uh, fights and things, and she she wanted him to have a better high school experience. So he got into Diamond, um, was at the top of his class, and applied to a bunch of Ivy League schools and never got in. They, they his grades and the weight of those grades and all of those things were not what those schools were looking for. He applied to UPenn, thought he was going to get in, and didn't get in. Okay. It was like valedictorian Where did he end something. up going? Um, he's, I'm going to say, he's in Boston. I don't know. I'm going to, I'll look. I'm look. What, like BU or BC? Me, uh, maybe. But, but I, listen, I, I can see spot, the other. Right? I can see the other side of that though. Pretty good landing spot. I can tell you that I believe that what you just said was an example of of why they chose Diamond. Right? Wasn't going into a trade. This kid clearly was not going to go into a trade. Yeah. You know, um, I get that. Yeah. However, if you start doing this, I think you're going to really see a change and a shift in what these schools are, and and okay. and what makes them attractive for anybody. Right. You know, I think parents really wish that we had schools where we didn't have disruptions all the time with behavioral issues. Yeah, but it's not it, that's not something everybody else should pay for. Right. Your kid can't go to this school because he behaves like crap. But my kid can go here and avoid your kid. But we're all paying for it. I think it. the answer is to increase Chapter 70 funding so that schools can get a handle on behavioral issues. The, the, it shouldn't be this or that. It should be, okay, well, this public school is broken. How do yeah. we fix that? How do we fix that? Why are we just now going to change what these schools are? This, those three things are very reasonable things to ask you have to have good I, I, grades you can't get into any issues and was the other I don't, one I don't actually think i don't actually think it's all I, I don't actually think it's all that reasonable because what you're saying again is that first of all again it's a public school that everybody's paying for and what you're saying is only the best and brightest students or only the best performing students can go to this school it doesn't make 
it doesn't make a lot of sense. And what you're saying essentially is that the decisions that you make when you're 11, 12, 13 years old will foreclose you from educational opportunities that could benefit you for the rest of your life. The the way you are when you are an uh, when you are a, a preteen is inexorably the way you're going to be for the rest of your life. And we can't have that, uh, you know, mucking up our beautiful public elite institution. But these aren't children that are living alone. They have a caregiver, whether it's a parent, a grandparent, it's or a foster parent. That's not always true. There's, plenty, there's, of, there's of plenty of homeless students in New Bedford in the New, in New Bedford public school system and the Falver public school system. And there's plenty of kids in foster care in both of those school systems as I well. I think you're starting to like really tighten the demographic, right, of a homeless person, that uh, child. No, it's an example of the broad tapestry of kids that are... Uh, necessarily discriminated against by these policies. Discriminated against where I would say if you have a child that is experiencing homelessness or whatever, they're getting a tremendous amount of support financially sure? uh, from the state, which yeah. I don't get. My son doesn't get, right? Because he know, has parents. But I mean, but middle, the middle <laughs> class is struggling. Those homeless kids have it so the, well. The, the middle class is struggling. Just because I, I ha, I'm an attentive mother, right? And, and my husband has a job doesn't mean that, you know, we have a huge savings account. I mean, we live paycheck to paycheck. And I'm not embarrassed to say that. It's not an easy, you know, life when you have four children, right, mm-hmm. in school. And, and, and the cost of everything. I mean, people were talking about gas, right? I just was like, well, I'll just drive less, right? We're going to really pay attention to how we spend our money gas. I can't limit how I'm eating, right? We're already, what we're spending at the market matters to me right now, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's not easy, Just, but I don't, as a middle-class person, I don't get any support. It's the support system for us. What's the support? If you're on food stamps, right, and you make a, just a certain amount of money, you lose your SNAP benefits. And yeah. sometimes the SNAP benefits outweigh what you would be making each week. It's It doesn't help the middle-class at all. It supports the lower-income people. Right. Who need it, undoubtedly, but the middle class also needs it. And so, you know, and I I think it's discriminatory to say that I'm an attentive and involved parent, right? That that, that I'm sure there are people that are, but I'm sure there are people that are uh, financially disadvantaged who are equally as emotionally invested in their children. But then there's some that aren't. Well, and there's some people in my demographic that aren't either. Exactly. I mean, I can rattle off like four alcoholics at a bar right now. But that's the entire point. That's the entire point. The kids suffering for the parent for so, the parents. But everybody has the same three criteria, right? The same th- three criteria. Yeah. So you've got to get to school, you've got to have decent grades, and you can't have any behavioral issues. And those things are not inclusive to just uh, exclusive to just you know lower income families. There's there's families in a middle class demographic that I mean, experience the, I, the same I mean, issues. I mean, frankly, the the statistics <clears throat> say otherwise, right? The numbers say otherwise that this that this um, that the 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 demographics of students represented in these uh, in these admissions classes just broadly aren't representative uh, of the demographics of the sending districts. So um, it is typically more whiter. English speaking, non, non-immigrant, whiter, non-immigrant, non-disabled students are the ones that are getting into Vogue schools. That's just the statistical fact. Um, the people that, that meet those demographics are the ones that are getting in. So it's you can say, oh, there's kids here that do this and here that do that. Yeah, sure. There's a, there, I'm, you can find examples everywhere. But the broadly speaking, broadly speaking, there are certain economic disadvantages or certain um, there are certain economic disadvantages or academic performances that are inexorably tied to uh, to things beyond a student's control. Well, I mean, I could have made the argument that my son deserves to be there. 
We just moved on from it. We didn't get in. That's it. It's nothing we can do about it. Okay. But that doesn't mean other people have to take that same approach. I respect the school, what they are, the criteria. We didn't meet it. Plan B. Right. And what, and what's wrong with plan B, by the way? Oh, what the school, the high schools are so bad. I don't, I don't, I can't speak for Somerset Berkeley. I don't know. But the, the, the point of the, the, the point I'm trying to make is the student wants to get into a trade or wants to do this. They apply here, but they're told they're not, they're not good enough to be there. But the problem is, is that it's not a private institution. It's a public institution. It's one that that student should have a right to, but they don't have that right to it because these public high these public vocational schools are discriminating against children they only want the best and the brightest children at their school because they basically want to take those take them and inoculate them from i guess, I guess the rest of the lesser focus, students they want to focus on like learning you know what it's not that it's not the teachers it's the, what hold on it's not the it's not the students job to make the teachers lives easier right I mean, if you're if you're a public employee, then if you have public students that that are that that are that have behavioral issues, that's a public problem, and you've got to deal <laughs> Let me with it. Tell you something, I've had a child that's in a classroom that we we demanded that we get a letter from the school every time. So if there's a child that's being disruptive in this classroom right now, and they pick up that chair and they throw the chair across the room, right? If there's a kid in the classroom and this child picks up this chair and throws this chair across the room, that child stays in the classroom. The other 24 kids have to be taken out of the classroom and moved to the gym or to the cafeteria or to a safe space. That's the policy. So 24 children will get picked up out of learning and disrupted. Why is that? That's the rule. You can't take that child out. You can't touch him. You can't do anything. He's being disruptive. You have to wait to get other people in there. You can't just take that kid and remove him. Mm -hmm. So, so. We had a problem where we had this one class that had this issue. So we said, we want a letter every time our children are being removed from this classroom. I think it was like 13 letters in like two months. Okay. These kids are getting taken out. There was no focus on learning. It was beyond disruptive and it took forever to get action, right? In the meantime, these kids lost two months worth of real serious learning because there was so many disruptions happening, right? I wish we could have something in place where those children were not there. Those children need something else and something different because the focus was on learning. Those children have, I mean, children with behavioral issues, learning disabilities, et cetera. They have a legal, a legally protected right to free and appropriate public My education. My child has a least restrictive environment. They have, they have the same rights as every other student does. My child has the right as well, but who's getting, who's getting the attention? My child isn't learning in an environment like that. And they're also not safe. And I'm paying tax dollars just like everybody else. So then the, 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 the real issue here is where does that child belong? Where can that child thrive? Because the environment as it is, which by the way, the majority of students are thriving in, does not work for that child. So I think it's the public school's uh, you know, responsibility to create an environment for that child and sure. like-minded children so they can thrive. Sure. But they're not thriving in that environment. And so, it's a distraction so they, on learning. you think those students should be sequestered? I think that they should be able to be in the place where they can thrive. Okay. And they're not thriving there. It doesn't work for them. So where could they thrive then? Well, they would have to create an environment where those types of children could thrive. You know, the same way where like there are black students that need a special space to talk about social issues and white students can't go and talk about them like that. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, you do. I got to take a break. 
Listen to us live anywhere in the world on the WBSM app. Introduce one's on the left, left. the other on the right. Right. They're both ready to call it right down the middle. More of Marcus and Chris on South Coast tonight here on WBSM. Hey, welcome back. Let's go to the phones. Good evening. You're live. Hey, guys. So, um, Dartmouth, Vogue in New Bedford takes Dartmouth and Fairhaven students as well? Correct. So, do you know if they have to take a certain percentage of students from each of the towns. I know that New Bedford has like I think uh, the mayor said last uh, last night New Bedford has like two thirds to maybe seventy five percent of the students, um, but I don't think they're required to take any from a particular town. I'm not entirely sure though. Because I'm saying I find like it all comes back to New Bedford takes the brunt of everything, take the brunt of you know immigrants, the brunt of you know, having to provide all these different languages, the, the brunt of, you know, financially funding all of those types of things. Well, the state the, the state funds towns. ELL programs. What's that? The state funds ELL ELL programs, not not the city. Like your property taxes aren't paying for ELL. It's just, it's yeah, the, you need more space, more room, more students. Right. So I'm def- definitely New Bedford's paying more for to educate each student than. You know, the other towns. The state is paying more to New Bedford. You're not paying for it. The state's paying for it. State's giving the budget. Of course we're paying for it, though. Yeah, 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 but it's not not New Bedford tax dollars. It's everybody's. You know, if everybody's, you know, acting disruptive in school or if, you know, you're having to teach in all these different languages, that affects every student, every student in the classroom. Yeah. Just like the ones whipping around chairs. So what I'm saying is if it's not evenly distributed throughout and then you get you take a handful from the surrounding cities they have to look at that too with what's ending up over there it's not like well the new bedford students didn't get in well then maybe the other surrounding towns need their own vocational schools but i think the bottom line is if new bedford schools are broken not able to properly you know educate these students you don't take the school that's working mm. and now bring it down to that level. It's, need to bring I, I mean, I mean, I mean, hold on, hold on. It's not level. about bringing people down to certain levels. New Bedford schools that's have actually, will happen, Marcus, New, New, Bedford, will. New Bedford schools have actually improved quite a bit over the last 10 years. I think the graduation rate went from 53% to 88%. Uh, 53% just, though, how atrocious 50, is 53% that? 53% to 88% now. Right, so, so they've, they've made some progression. Yep, that is. It's, but if they're not meeting the, but it's so not about. Is, but it's it's not about being good or being better. Vocational schools aren't supposed to be elite prep schools. They're supposed to teach no, trades. I'm not saying that they are, Marcus. But what I'm saying is, they should not have to reduce their standards to to make up for the fact that New Bedford cannot figure out how. Yes, they've made amazing progress in the past. You know, short short period of time. I think the caller is... They're not meeting the needs. There needs to be more from middle school on. We shouldn't have to to choose is what you're saying. We, we, We can have it all. We can have... At all, we shouldn't have to say it has to be either this or we that. Can take people from all around the world and all around the the um, state and 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 um, concentrate the needs 
into one school district and wonder why it's not working. The surrounding towns are not taking their share of the burden of the policies that they they like, but they like them across the bridge. Yeah. So as far as I'm concerned, all the students... What, what, policies the do, city, what, what policies do we like across the bridge? People that like to say we like all the immigrants, then they say, well, they have the wraparound services. Of course they do, because Martha's Vineyard isn't signing, and, and all lots of other towns and cities are not signing up for that. So immigrants they are like a problem? Yes. So what I'm saying is immigrants they, are a problem. They've bitten off more than they can What problem choose. are the immigrants? Illegal immigrants? Are we talking illegal immigrants? Are talking, they a problem? Yes. I'm talking people what that problem? say they want all the illegal immigrants. They don't want them in their town. Do you, and they can do you want me to answer that do. question? Is yeah. that a, it's not rhetorical. I'll answer that question. So illegal immigrants. Go ahead, caller. I'll let you finish. I'm saying the fact that whatever they are, if they're if they're speaking lots of different languages and they need all kinds of different services, the towns and cities that advocate for these types of things are not sharing the burden. So it is concentrated in a certain area. And now we say for lots of That's where the population is. What did you say? That's where the population is. That's where the population of of, of ELL students are. There's none here. There's none in Fairhaven. If there were, if there were if there were ELL students in Fairhaven, there'd be an ELL program. Marcus, you realize there's no services there for them. There's nothing to draw them there, and they keep it that way. And and so is it in all the other you know surrounding areas. So it's easy to say these students should be doing better. And if we can't bring the standards up, you know, just reduce them at the vocational school. No, the problem is all of these things are too heavily concentrated in certain areas, which is bringing down, you know, for everyone, it's bringing the amount of stress to get your education down. So, yes, not as many people can get into Vogue, but I have to agree People that have no intention on getting into college should definitely be allowed to get an education and the vocational school. But I think they're going about it the wrong way. I think New Bedford school system, you know, their own system has to figure out from middle school on how to figure out what these kids want to do in their future. Not everybody at 12 knows that, but they need to be um, getting access to what a job will earn you know, what a certain career path will entail. That needs to be, you know, people, children don't want to sit there for all the hours in the day and strictly learn subjects. They want to know what it applies, how they will apply that to their lives. They will be more incentivized because they'll see an end goal. Well, there's so a, there's a whole three-hour show just for that alone as far as, Right, but you that's know. really, really important. Even earlier on, I feel earlier on, parents of all different you know, socioeconomic statuses and different jobs should be in there educating these kids as to what their job entails, what their lifestyle they're able to have. We can't, we can't get job. into a public school right now if we tried. There's, you, they do well, not allow so parents into public schools anymore. You can't go in the, you can't walk in the door. But I mean, <laughs> well, do you think you should be able to just waltz into the door at any the point? Opportunities for parents to participate in a child's education in the classroom are what almost zero. What do you mean zero. participate? What do you want to do? I used to go and read to my daughter's class. Okay. So the teacher would sit at the desk and correct papers and I would read for an hour. I would um, do art projects around holiday time. I mean, we used to be able to have access all the time. We could volunteer at lunch. We could volunteer at recess. We can't do any of those things anymore. I've, I haven't been in my child's school unless I'm having a meeting in the office in years. It's, it's non-existent. They don't let you which in there. Is, which is really sad because I think students do need to know what different parents 
other than their own are doing to make a you know a living what career path they're on how they've provided for themselves what kind of a lifestyle they can have and they need it to be relatable and very young children can understand that and i feel like we're just teaching subjects going through the motions and a lot of kids especially middle-aged kids are completely zoned out with that it just seems like work to them they don't understand where it can go so i think there's a lot a lot of things that need to be changed in not just new bedford but all kinds of school systems You know, because I agree, maybe not all parents are putting the effort in, but I feel like if you're not a parent that can put the effort in, why do you feel like your kid needs to come out at the top? Yeah, I I just don't feel like the the kids, kids, I I don't think the kids should suffer for the transgressions of the parents. But but the fact is, in the world that we live in, kids suffer every day for the decisions their parents make. Listen, we got to take a break, but we do appreciate the call. Thank you very much. Good call. Here's what's happening this week on Town. Hey, welcome back. We're going to be joined by Sheriff Paul Haro in the uh, 9 o'clock hour. Um, another story on WBSM.com that you can check out is um, uh, he recently uh, retained a, a nationally recognized expert for inmate suicide prevention um, after the, uh, you know, following the, the death of an uh, inmate at the Dartmouth House, House of Correction. It was a big issue in the campaign, too, as, as you guys may, may remember with the death of Adam Howe and, and that. So we're, uh, we'll be talking with him. There's also, he also has some thoughts on that uh, inmate uh, organ donor bill. So um, looking, forward to, uh, looking forward to speaking with him um, on those issues. Uh, and um, that's it. The only thing else to say? No, that was a good segment. I like like talking education. Yeah. And the caller contributed very much to that conversation as well. I yeah, I thought I thought it was great. So all right guys, we will um we'll see you in the nine o'clock hour. Stay tuned.